the Knott family mystery. Christmas Eve 2020, a family vanishes in the middle of the night. The front door left wide open, both cars in the driveway, the table set for dinner. The only clue left behind, a note saying they're acting of their own free will. Where did the Knott family go and why? I'm Dawn Christensen, and you're listening to the Knott Family Mystery Podcast about the unsolved disappearance of Ray and Carla Knott and their six children. Is the coast clear? Great. Welcome to the secret version of Untying the Knots. When you first consider changing your family configuration, whether it be divorce, legitimation, a custody action, and whether you thought about it on your own or your spouse has raised the issue, your brain gets filled with an extraordinary amount of questions and an extraordinary amount of emotions. I'm Dawn. And I'm Kristen. And we're going to be answering all your family law questions in hopes that it will help alleviate some of the unknowns you're wondering about. Welcome to Untying the Knots. Between the two of us, we have 45 years of legal experience. We've been involved in over a thousand cases, including our own. We've handled all types of issues involving families, including same-sex marriages, divorces, custody modifications, and child support. We've had clients who've been married and divorced to each other multiple times, and we've helped people who have been together for as little as two weeks and those who've been together for over 30 years. Our hope is that you use this podcast like a search engine by scanning through our show notes for the main Untying the Knots podcast or on the podcast tab of our website to see a list of every question that we answer. We will give you the exact time on which episode to look for in both the main version of the podcast and the secret version. How do I know it's time to end my relationship or seek a divorce? It's not going to be the same for everyone. There's no specific timeline. It has more to do with, I think, some questions that we should probably walk through for people to think about and figuring out whether it's time. Right. One first thing is, what are the issues in your relationship that are making you think about ending it? Have you identified what those issues are? Obviously, as lawyers, we're always like issue spotting, but... Exactly. And, and I think sometimes people just know they come and they know that they're in a place of general unhappiness, mm-hmm. but haven't done the work to figure out, is this because of a specific event or set of events like adultery, which for some people is a real bright line. You cross right. that, that's it. Right. And for some people, it is not. For some people, it may have to do with their relationship having changed after their kids were born. And the roles and dynamics in the family. People often grow apart or isn't it what they expected? What is it that is bringing you into our office? What is it that's making you say, I might need to make an appointment with a divorce lawyer? Figure that out first. Right. And I'll give you a couple of real life examples. Like recently, I've had cases in the past year where Folks started out the same religiously, right? They had the same religious backgrounds and certainly practiced it the same way early in their marriage. And then they had grown in very different ways religiously 20 years in, right? Right. And those were deal breakers for both of them. And 20 years is a long time. Right. If you don't follow (laughs) this pastor, you know, I'm not going to stay with you. You know, we've also seen, and this has particularly been true in the last four or five years, 
people having very different political views. Yes. We yes. have seen that very frequently, and they become bright line issues for people. So yeah. look, look at, look, relationships change. Right. You go through seasons. There are ups and downs. You could be in a down season, but there is no up without a down. That's exactly right. Um, I think that um, asking yourself, what have I done, right, to work on these issues? And that's not to say that everyone has to work on every issue. It is just that, are you going to have wanted to put some work into it prior to calling it quits, right? Right, right. And are there things that you could do to revitalize some of those issues or some of those places maybe where you used to have common interests and now you don't or don't find yourself as having them? What steps have you taken? Right. Have you done some counseling? Have you done, there's some church retreats that people go on that sometimes they can find um, their way back to each other. Have you looked at common interests? Look, people who have sat on the same couch for the past three years during the pandemic, <laughs> almost everybody's going to think they want to be together. So you're going to have to rework it, man. I know. Or I know. not. Or not. Or not. We have no no real judgment on whether people stay together or choose not to stay together. But often a first question is that we get from clients is, should I do it now? Should I do it later? One thing I'm thinking about right now That's a pretty serious issue that you need to consider, I think, when you're trying to decide if it's time. Is it safe for you to leave? My experience as a family law attorney has been that often women and men, but more, more, more typically women, who are in relationships where there's serious control or intimate partner violence, the timing may very well be dependent on when can you create a safe exit that includes you and your children. So that certainly is something I think is a bright line when you're thinking about a timeline to leave. Right. And finally, what I would say is to um, listen to your gut. Yeah. um, Pay attention to what what you're thinking, what the thoughts are in your head, but also make sure that you are going to trusted advisors who will tell you everything, not just what you want to hear as you're trying to make this decision. So it's not an easy choice. It's not. And everybody deserves to be happy. And I don't mean happy in the trite little whatever way, but peaceful, whatever that means for you inside. If you have children, you want your children to see you happy and thriving and prosperous. And all of that uh, goes into this thought process of when and if it's time to leave your relationship. I I love ending this question on that because everybody deserves access to happiness. Yeah. And if there is no access in your marriage, one, you may play a role in that, right? Right. But two, then you got to think this is your only life. Yes. Right? Yes. You deserve to be happy. Should we stay together for the kids? My answer to that is probably not. And let's talk about why we think that. So my parents divorced when I was 12, um, and I remembered being thrilled. Now, I didn't like it. My life was different. I didn't like having to go to my dad's little bitty apartment and all that. But I was so glad the arguing would stop. 
and that the the angry silence would stop. So what I say, frequently will people come, people will come in or I will have a guardian case and they'll say, oh, no, we don't argue in front of the children. The children don't know any of this. And you know what I say? Oh, yes, they do. Oh, yes, they do. <laughs> oh, yes, they do. They do. They are sponges. They pick up our verbal and our nonverbal cues, our anxieties. We know this, people. When they're babies, we have figured this I out. I know. Research talks about babies feeling your energy, feeling your stress, even when they're in your womb. The anecdote you just shared about your parents divorcing at 12 makes me think about, you know, my parents divorced when I was 10. And even as an adult, my mom said, I didn't know that you could hear us fighting all of that time. And I'd say, yeah, I'd be six or seven and just put in my ear to the floor. Um, you may not be sparing your children emotional and psychological scars by staying together. And that I think it's such a myth, and I understand from a social perspective where that line of thinking comes from, because I've certainly been there myself, but when you live under the same roof with your family, if there is constant fighting, if there's constant conflict in the home, how does that impact kids? Well, they feel the tension, even if the words aren't coming out. Right. Even if there is the passive aggressiveness, there is the seething, silent anger, they feel the tension and they're really confused about it, right? Yeah. So I really urge people, you are not sparing them any scars, right? If you are privately thinking their dad sucks, right, they're picking up on it. Right, because it's hard to hide that and that's trauma. Right. Um, and what, you know, what, what that does, in addition to confusing them, is it undermines their sense of safety and sameness. They don't know, they thrive on structure and predictability, and they never know when people are going to be happy, sad, angry with each other, and what they want. Think about it. When both parents are happy, think about how joyful kids are. Yes. It is such an avenue for them to have joy. Right. Right. So, They're looking to us. And we are the ones modeling for our children what healthy or unhealthy relationships look like. Um, parents in high conflict or extremely unhappy marriages tend to provide their children with an unhealthy template for romantic relationships. And I don't say that as a judgment because none of us are perfect. And it's a lot of pressure being a parent, right? You have some important decisions to make. But Something that I have consistently said to clients and that I try to say to myself is, what would I want my child to do in this situation? And often we make decisions as parents for our kids that are healthier than we make for ourselves because we put them before us. Whether that's good or bad, it's been my practical experience and professional experience. So with that said, we don't want to teach our children to settle for less than what they deserve in a relationship or in this life. And one way of modeling for them going out and creating the life that they're worthy of right. is by making really hard decisions. And that might include changing the family structure. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing about kids that I think we all intuitively know, but we're in, when we're in the middle of making these decisions and taking these steps, we forget about is that 
kids feel responsible for parents' happiness. They do. Right. So if they're sitting in a house where you're not happy or you're masking unhappiness and anger to them and they can't quite, they don't have the words to to say, I understand what's going on. Right. But it makes them really uneasy. And all all they want is for you to be happy. So um, you're really, they begin to feel like they're failing at one of the roles they think they have. Now, it is not a kid's role to make us happy. Let me be clear about that. Right. That right. does Absolutely not stop not. your children from taking on that role. Because right. we know they do. And the other thing, and I will say this, because remember, guys, I've told you all a hundred times, I've been through a divorce. Right. Um, unhappy spouses make not really present parents. Right. Um, I can say. how can you be? Right. Right. You're you're unhappy. You're 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 chewing on something and not happy with something and it's really hard to be present for Susie yeah right? um when particularly when you're on your phone telling your girlfriend how mad you are <laughs> I know or when you're in a text argument with your spouse I <laughs> know <laughs> and there's just other ways you know divorce it really can bring peace to the whole family if it's handled I, I hasten to say correctly, but if it's handled in a way that that works for the family structure, and I don't only mean divorce, I also mean just parenting in separate households because you may have not been married, and we're talking about living in separate places with your kids and raising them. But co-parenting that may not be how you envisioned your family ideally, but you can, and I was intentional earlier to use the word change your family structure instead of, you know, end your family structure or whatever it is, because there's an evolution that can take place where rather than raising your children in a war zone of conflict, you can model for them a transition into a life that has healthier dialogue and space between spouses or parents who, who shouldn't be parenting under one roof. That's okay. That is okay. Um, and, you know, my my ex-husband and I sucked at being spouses, but we are great co-parents. Yes. And it was a process, right? But we're so much better. We succeed at this. Right. <laughs> right. We weren't right. succeeding at the other th- thing. And it was very apparent to all, including our young children. <laughs> right. Many things can be true at the same time. I've said to clients before, he can have been a very bad husband, to you, but he's a very good father. Right. And at this point, that's all that matters. Exactly. The last thing that I will add is that, you know, some people say, you know, we've said probably not to the stay together just for the children. If you have that rare situation where you are married, you are staying together, and there is truly, truly, no conflict in the house, and maybe you're just living as roommates, go for it. Yeah, do it. Now, you're risking not modeling the good, healthy, loving relationship, right? But the key here is conflict is what harms and has long-term negative effects on kids, their their self-esteem, their promiscuity, their school performance, all, all those things are impacted by that. So if it is truly a conflict-free zone, maybe it can work. Yeah. But you just got to realize you got to get them some good models for healthy relationships. So my question is, what are the first steps to go through when you want to get a divorce? 
Well, there are a few really concrete things you can do to start. And the first one is to get clear about your priorities. Now, these will be more informed along the way, but I think the earlier you begin to think about what your priorities are, the more that you're going to have a roadmap for decision making down the road. Um, And what are some areas of priorities? Um, First of all, I think you need to really look hard at what is a want, right? What do I want? What's my dream resolution? Yep. What is a need? What do I really need to resolve this? Not what my dream resolution (laughs) is. And then what a lawyer is going to help you with, the final one, what am I legally entitled to? Which often... Does well, not match. <laughs> does not match the want or the need, right? Um, and it's very unpredictable. It That's is. That's what you're putting your hands in a process that is very unpredictable. So come up with your priorities. And some priorities you might think about are, first of all, there's custody issues. If you have children, your priority may be, all I care about is the kids. What happens with the kids, where they live, what's going on? Another priority may be financial do you and your spouse own a business together? Do you all have a house? Right. Are, how are you going to support yourself after you are now living in two separate households? That's a big financial shift for the family. Lots of things to think about. What support will you need, if any? And um, what type of process do you want this to be? Yeah, I think that's a really big thing for you to think about. Because right. very frequently, that top of the list, those wants, yep. will dictate a process that because the wants are unrealistic, that's so true, will result in a prolonged, painful, and expensive, expensive process. So I think if you know if you're coming to me and saying I want it done quickly and I want it done easily and I don't want to ruin our relationship for parenting these kids in the future, then you may need to adjust some of your wants and your needs. That is such good advice. It's like you're a lawyer or something, like you do this for a living or something. Yeah, it's like that I've done this longer than I've done anything else in my life, right? And it's only true, because, though. remember, I'm ever watching it. I'm divorced. <laughs> and I tripped up on this one a little bit. So I can bring some personal experience in this, too. So what are some other steps, Kristen? So after you've gone through doing that, what are the buckets of possible team members that you'll need to help you go through this process? Because right? we don't do it alone. No. There's going to be an emotional component to this. What emotional support do you need on your team? I have had clients where I've said, look, you have, I really advise you to see a therapist or a counselor or a clergy person or whomever is a trusted emotional advisor in your life. This is a process where you will need that. Then there is financial. Who financially may need to be on your team? We may need an expert to value a business. We may need an expert to just understand your finances and accounting. You may have an accountant, whomever. And then your legal team. Right. And on your, you know, your financial team, sometimes that can look at, particularly if you don't feel financially savvy, if you feel like you're going to be out on your own for the first time financially, to talk to and get um, referrals for good financial planners that are used to dealing with people in the divorce process. They have some very creative and important information to give you when you're looking at 
living life financially on your own. And right. I think that's really important. Um, and we're going to talk about choosing a lawyer, but that is very important. And I also want to add one more um, area in our kind of bucket mm-hmm. of team members. That is to eliminate people who are going to feed the fire. Mm-hmm. Okay, So those are family members and friends who are just going to go, yeah, you go get them. You were really wronged. Yeah, yeah, you need to have the house, the yep. lake house, every car, and all his money Do until he's 72. Settle. Right. Okay, that's not the person you need. It's not. Because it's even not. though that makes you feel good because they get that you were wronged, um, it is not going to help you in the real world of divorce. It, it's not. And honestly, no one knows what you need or what your life has been like or what you want it to be like more than yourself. So you've got to spend time with yourself figuring that out. So, Kristen, I want to ask you something. Is my next door neighbor who got divorced last year and she got this great settlement, is that a good person to advise me? No, it's not. <laughs> Why not, because, Kristen? Listen, I have clients who come in and say, well, my friend so-and-so, this is the settlement that they got, and it's pretty much the same as ours, and I don't understand why we can't do the exact same thing here. Or we're in mediation, and we're trying to settle something, and one of the clients calls their aunt, and they say, no, don't accept that. You deserve way more than that. Listen, Y'all, that is not, it's not helpful. And it really can put you in a situation where you end up losing things that you wanted, losing things that you may have been legally entitled to, and also prolonging the emotional and very expensive financial process of the divorce. Right. No two divorces are the same, guys. They're not. So whatever went into child support in one case, alimony in another, the equitable division, you know, people living in these big houses, so many of them only have debt. Yes. Some of them have more money and are able to offer. The facts are just different. So you cannot compare your apples to their oranges. But what you do need for this final team member is a friend who will talk turkey to you. Yep. Okay. Who knows your priorities, who's mm-hmm. heard you say, my kids, them staying in the same school is a priority, and I really need to keep this house for X, Y, and Z reason. Right. They've heard it, and they, they'll say, when you get caught up on whether or not you want the Lamborghini, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Well, remember you told me those three things, and it seems yep. to me that you're getting offered those three things. So get that truth teller of a friend and have them be in your circle. Hi there. What are the do's and don'ts during the divorce process? There's a lot of do's and don'ts. One that I want to start with is don't don't make shady decisions <laughs> that are going to affect the way the the court and this process perceives you. One of which is look, if you're about to file divorce, don't go close all the joint checking accounts. Don't take your spouse off of the credit card. Don't transfer all the money out of the account because you decided that you need it all. Those things will look very poorly on you during the divorce process. Exactly. One thing that I tell clients always is that when you file for divorce in Georgia anyway, most counties have what's called a standing order. And that standing order really is is to help dictate behavior of the parties throughout the process. And that standing order says many things, one of which is do not 
do anything outside of the status quo, basically, when it comes to finances um, that can really bite you. Yeah. The other thing you don't want to do, don't remove him from the health insurance. (laughs) Don't remove him from the car insurance. Sure, you're angry. I get it. Right. But look, do you want the first time you go in front of the judge to be because you removed their father who had a health condition from the health insurance? Seriously. Seriously. That is not. And, and, and so often those are emotional decisions. Sure. I'm done. I'm separating sure. the money. I'm taking him off the insurance. And I'm taking the kids. And I'm taking the kids. Right. And then you got to think, well, then I'm going to have to go in front of Mr. or Mrs. Judge and justify what I did. Sure. And that's the first taste they're going to have of me. Sure. And that's not great. Um, one of the do's that you can do. Um, during the divorce process, particularly before you start communicating with an attorney or other professionals, is set up an email account just for the divorce. Yes. Okay. Um, This is true whether or not your spouse has password access to your accounts, because you just want to make sure that your communications are private. Sure. And privileged. And on that note, do be careful of iCloud or iMessage when it comes to when it comes to Apple. <laughs> I have had so many cases where, for example, on the home computer, the iMessages are are also showing up because they're synced, and one partner does not realize that. Just privacy is important, and check those things. Make sure your messages aren't showing up everywhere. That's so important. I can't tell you how often I have seen sex pictures show up on the kids' iPads. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I know we see the crazy stuff, but it's very common it that, is. that people don't realize it. And also be really cautious with your laptops and phones. You know, it is the rare case, but not as rare as I wish it was where people put listening um, software or devices in cars, on phones, in homes, put GPS trackers on cars. I think it's really important if you believe you may be in one of those situations that you have laptops and phones checked, you have a mechanic look for a tracker on your car, um, that you change all of your passwords. Um, I frequently have people in those situations leave laptops in a secure place if they're staying in the same house you know for instance the both spouses are still in the same house that they leave the laptop in a secure place they always have their phone with them right when it comes to social media do not post crazy stuff on social media and what i mean by crazy stuff is look if custody is an issue in your case and we're talking about who who is going to have children, just know that everything you post can be used as evidence against you or for you in your case. Same goes for your spouse or partner. I've had clients frequently come to me and say, a friend of mine took this screenshot of my partner's page showing them drinking, you know, all these bottles of alcohol and out with, you know, making irresponsible decisions, those things can be used as evidence later in the case. You want to be really intentional about what you post and what you don't post because everything is up for grabs in litigation. Exactly. I think the motto is everything is evidence. Yep. Text messages are evidence. Do be really mindful 
of your tone and manner of communication. If you're going into a divorce, you don't want to be acting the fool no. in text message on, and in social media. And if you're going to have a custody fight, I'm just going to piggyback on what Kristen said. I have had cases where I have proven that one of the parents said they were there and primary parent available to the children every moment of the every day after school. <laughs> and we got the Facebook account and that parent posted every three minutes. Right. And I said, well, you were sure sitting in the same room, but how available <laughs> were you? Right? right. Right. Were you paying attention to the kids? I- exactly. So social media is a divorce lawyer's either headache or heaven. It just depends on it what is. side of the issue we are. So do be careful. Do be careful. In that same vein, be careful about what you do when it comes to your kids. Don't film your children talking about their other parent. Don't film your children um, complaining about the other parent's new girlfriend or any of that. I have had many clients send to me or send to the guardian ad litem in the case what they believe is really strong evidence about why the other parent is not fit or not appropriate for certain time visitation. But it's research shows and what we really want you to hear is that it's harmful for children to put them directly in the middle of their parents' conflict and thereby the litigation as well. I've been in court where people have sought to introduce videos of children, and the first thing the judge said was not, ooh, look at her. She shouldn't be doing that. It's, why'd you film the children? Yes. I can't tell you how much it pisses judges off. Yeah. So you think you're getting great evidence. Well, guess what? Your kid knows you're being filmed. Yes. They're not as stupid as you think they know you're being filmed because you're mad at daddy yes right so don't be filming the kids if substance abuse is an issue on either side of the equation um well first of all in a divorce or custody process don't be over imbibing yeah just don't yeah again everything is evidence your credit card bills when you go to the club your credit card bills when you buy stuff at Publix. Or at Total Wine. Yeah, I was going to say at a liquor store. We look at those things. You you hire an attorney to prove your case and to reach the priorities that you've outlined for yourself. That requires often a really deep dive. And if we're looking at your credit card statements and it's showing Tower Wine, Tower Wine, CBD, Place, Hookah Lounge, <laughs> Club, you know, that will come up. As evidence, I'm not saying it's the end all be all and that you should not, I mean, of course, have a glass of wine, but be intentional and be thoughtful about the way that evidence will be used for or against you in this case. Right. And similarly, you know, if substance abuse of your spouse or the parent on the other side is an issue, you know, document that in some fashion, right. you know, pay attention, particularly you can be doing this if again, you want to be taking steps to get ready to file and right. you think substance abuse is an issue and you have evidence of it, like lots of empties. You know, I had a mm-hmm. guy that, you know, hid all his beer in the bushes out in front of the house. Yeah. Right. And we had all that documented ahead of time and right. um, those kind of things. So go ahead and document those. But for the do's and don'ts section, we will end every 
thing is evidence. Yes. Remember and that. Your, your spouse and or the other parent no longer has your best interest at heart. So don't expect them to be t- making choices and taking actions that protect you. If I'm in a violent relationship, how can I protect my kids during the divorce process? I think it's really important. It's a great question. And it's really important to be strategic more than ever when you're in a violent relationship. That's so true. There are a lot of things to think about. One, is it safe and when is it safe to make a move? We talk to clients a lot about, um, one, referring them to places that can help them create a safety plan so they have a plan in place when they leave so that both them and their children can be safe. Um, There are what's called temporary protective orders that can be issued to protect someone who has experienced any form of family violence. That means that, you know, assault, battery, um, It actually includes emotional abuse as well, whether or not in the state that you're in that will be recognized, but it frequently includes that as well. One of the things that we know from the research pretty clearly is the most dangerous time in a survivor's life is when they file divorce. Mm -hmm. So it's so important to develop that safety plan and that there are family violence shelters and advocates that will help people develop safety plans to think about how to get safe. Some of the things we talk to people are about are having a code word or a safe word with someone that you can text Mm -hmm. um always keeping your keys by the door so that you can get out um in the midst of that having a go bag packed um frequently in your car um it is more important than ever in these situations that your abuser or potential abuser not have access to your phone or your computer, so that if you think there's any way that may happen, you've got to find another way to communicate, which frequently include a burner phone. Right. That's exactly what I was going to say. Um, You want to be protected as much as possible. And if you have a lawyer through the process, like you said initially, Don, it's so much about strategy, because the most important thing is that you're safe and that your children are safe if you have children. And getting to a safe place before potentially taking the step of filing, having the abuser served during the divorce process. By the way, remember, we have another podcast, uh, The Not Family Mystery, where you can listen to all of this information and not have other people know that you're listening to it. So if you're in a violent relationship and if you're seeking information on that, it's completely understandable. You'd want that to be confidential. So check out our true crime version of this so you can have a little privacy. So it'll be this podcast, but just look like you're looking at a true crime podcast. Yeah. This podcast will be updated every few months to reflect any development in the law and any additional questions you might have. If there's a question you haven't heard answered, email us at info at smithfileslaw.com and we'll add it to one of our updates. Please share this podcast with any of your friends or family who have family law related questions. If you are in the state of Georgia and would like to reach out to our offices, please call us at 404-909-8300 
or email us at info at smithfileslaw.com. The content on Untying the Knots does not constitute legal advice or the practice of law by Kristen Files, Don Smith, or Smith & Files, LLC. Listening to the podcast does not form an attorney-client relationship between you and the podcasters. All listeners should consult with a qualified legal professional regarding their individual questions, needs, or issues that may be of concern. We are not responsible for any action taken by a reader based upon any information on this site. All of the content on the podcast is for general information and educational purposes only. Don Smith and Kristen Files are licensed to practice law in Georgia.